Okay. So it sounds like on special today is no intro. <laughs> Does that sound accurate? Um, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. Nothing really anecdotal happened this week. I don't yeah, feel like. I don't think I have one for you really either. Uh, I mean, the closest thing is like, uh, I've seen all of Dexter. Have you watched Dexter? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've seen like all of Dexter and Marianne only seen the first season and maybe a couple episodes a second. And so we're starting to go through all of Dexter again. Just like started like three days ago. Started with season one. We're now in season two. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that this was like the perfect week to start because Deb is in our first movie and our second movie stars a uh, foster kid who was uh, taken in by the lieutenant that found him in a horse. <laughs> horrible position that's awesome yeah so it was weirdly prescient yeah that is yeah there's some similarities there yeah. for sure that makes sense i like that um yeah i like dexter uh but i felt like there were like there are definitely high seasons and low seasons as opposed yeah. to like episodes there's like the john lithgow season i think that's one of the best seasons of television of anything of all time like it it goes way up there for me you still need to watch six feet under i i've heard like yeah there's definitely one that will start. Do, and I'm assuming you have pay- you seen The Wire? No, you need to watch The Wire. Uh, people, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I'm not going to be. It's not going to be like, oh, here's this super uh, hipster show that no one's ever heard of. No, it's The Wire. Everyone knows that it's fucking yeah. amazing. No, I wasn't. I don't. Six Feet Under's. I don't think is hipster. Is it? No, I'm not saying it was, oh, but okay. I'm just saying like, yeah, you said yeah, yeah I've heard that. Of course you have because it's amazing. Yeah, no, I meant I, I've I've heard that it's amazing. Not I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's some indie band, yeah. yeah. I uh, I've been listening to this band. Uh, uh, they're called Metallica. I feel like is it's a sound. Yeah. I want to see that scene in a movie. Like, <laughs> Jim Gaffigan has that joke where he's like, uh, "You ever see a movie that's been out for a really long time, but you can't talk to anybody about it because you can't walk in and just be like, hey, hey guys, I just watched Heat.' <laughs> yeah, we watched that fifteen years ago. But I don't want to talk about it now." Yeah. But I guess we made a podcast of that concept. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. We just watched fucking Friday the 13th, 1984. It's the year we were born, but we just watched it. And let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, you know what did just come out, though? What's that? Broad Subblock 99. It, it came out last year? Yeah. Uh, I don't know when last year. But at some point last year, I feel like it, it was, had to be it was, late because I yeah, feel it was like very late. It was very at late. the end, she's talking on an iPhone 10. Yeah, it's very late. Okay. It's very late. Like it's just came out on home video, like okay. just in the past few weeks. So yeah, it's very timely. Cool. Yeah. Because um, I couldn't wait to, to see what uh, Sean Gerberger, what's the guy's name? I don't know. I feel like it was like initial something. It is name, but I think he. They everybody just calls him his middle name, last name. S. I don't know. Just vamp, and I'll get it on IMDb. So from the vamping is the when you just don't have much to say, but you're clever. And S. Craig Craig Zoller. Craig Zoller. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely Sean Gerber. 
close. I had the number of syllables correct. There you go. <laughs> it ends in er. <laughs> one one syllable, two syllable ends in er. Hey, yeah. yeah, Samsonite. <laughs> it was way off. Uh, so, uh, Brawl and Subblock 99, synopsis. Uh, who? <laughs> it's a long movie where not much happens, but a lot happens. Uh, a drug runner is jailed uh when uh the drug run goes bad and then while in prison he's punished his wife and his pregnant wife is kidnapped because the deal went bad and then he has to find a way to save her from prison from inside prison okay good good overall thoughts on brawl like I wanted, I wanted it to be much better than it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was slow, which isn't bad. Okay, it it was paradoxical to me because it felt very slow, but then I was like, I've only been watching this for twenty minutes, and like it'd been on for an hour, so it felt slow, but it also was fast. But also, I feel like kind of nothing happened. Like, it could have been a 20 or 30 minute movie that was stretched out to two hours and 12 minutes. Okay. I feel like I'm simultaneously agreeing and just incredibly disagreeing with everything (laughs) that you're saying. Like, okay. Um, Okay. So, my thoughts on it are that this is an incredibly well made and crafted film. Like, this guy has so much talent. The characters, like, you feel for immediately. We'll talk more about it. Um, you know who they are. Uh, he, uh, I, I'm. It is slow paced, but it's slow paced in the same way Bone Tomahawk was slow paced. In that, you get moments where you're just dealing and learning about a character and spending time with them, um, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I feel like I'm going to do a lot of comparison to Bone Tomahawk as yes. we talk about this. Um, and the mo- I want to rewatch this because I feel I, I fear that I'm doing the thing where I'm crafted it to what I expected it to be. But there's like a sudden change that happens in the film that was so that just veers off so dramatically from where it was and it goes into less believable territory. And I feel like if I had gone in or going in a second time where I know that I'm watching like a pulp film as opposed to a realistic and gritty film, which is what I thought I was watching to begin with. I would enjoy it more. So in short, I would say that it's incredibly well made that I that I question one big decision in it. I mean, that's what Bone Tomahawk was too, right? But yeah, there it didn't yeah, feel I guess so you're right. I guess you're right. It felt like this really real look into Western towns and then all of a sudden like weird cannibal throat whistles. I get you know what? I think so, you're you're right that in might that just comparison. Be a style. Yeah. I mean if but, that's what if that's the thing that he sent out to do, like I wish that I would have had that. Men- I wish I would have thought about that parallel as I was watching it happen, or even if it's somebody had said, "You're going to watch this movie," and then just like Bone Tomahawk, there's this jarring left that it takes. Like if I was anticipating that, but when I'm watching what feels like a documentary almost, and then it turns, it it pulled me away. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it either, but I feel like in Bone Tomahawk it worked, whereas here it didn't. 
Um, is it like I said, almost all my criticism are going to like focus on what he did well in Bone Tomahawk and what I can see here and which, why it doesn't work. Which, which I don't know if that's fair or not. I was going to say because that's like looking at two papers that someone wrote and going, you got an A plus on this and you got an A minus on this one or whatever your grade is. But my point is like you are holding a standard pretty high. And I think I even said that when we talked about bone Tomahawk or when we talked about brawl is like dudes going up against like super, super high caliber film, like Jordan Peele's next movie. All anybody's going to do is go, well, it's not get out. (laughs) Right. But the sophomore slump is definitely a thing. And I feel like he, he did it here. Like Darren, Darren Aronofsky, had pie which was fantastic and then he did requiem for a dream which was argue like i i don't think it's as good but it's very close and arguably it's his most popular film uh i don't think i don't think arguably it's his most popular film i think it definitely is yeah so well i mean he also did the wrestler which was i think more okay okay that might be true uh but yeah so i think you can you can you can avoid the sophomore slump even with a great first outing, uh, I just think that he, that Craig fell into that. I think that you calling it a sophomore slump is unfair because you're comparing it to Bone Tomahawk. I think that if you, if this was, if he hadn't made Bone Tomahawk, this wouldn't be a slump. No, but if I hadn't seen Bone Tomahawk, I wouldn't say that this guy is like a great writer director. I disagree with that. See, uh, okay. Let's get into it then. Okay. So we open Vince Vaughn. Uh, very quickly, they establish is a rough and tumble guy that's made good, right? Um. Okay. Sure. They, they went straight, right? So he uh, he's got a, a head tattoo. Traditionally, not uh, uh, a social. That's a social fu, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's got a tattoo on, on the back of his head. He's of a cross wrapped in barbed wire. He's driving a, a Camaro, which is itself very torn between yeah. two worlds. Mm-hmm. He's uh, uh, driving a Camaro, and he gets laid off from his job as a tow truck driver. Gets home and finds uh, his girlfriend Jennifer Carpenter is has been cheating on him, mm-hmm. and he proceeds to destroy her car like it's a like it's a Street Fighter mini game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, his hands had to hurt, dude. Like, (laughs) he's beating this shit out of this car. And my favorite part of this is he's, like, tries multiple times. Like, super realistic, right? Because it takes multiple tries for him to break the window because that's Mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. Right. He, like, takes his hand down a couple of times on the mirror to break it. That takes multiple attempts. Mm -hmm. And then, like, for no reason, like, reaches in and rips off the rearview mirror. Like, something (laughs) just... Like it's a small, like petty thing, but it's yeah. almost like that's what he was going to do. But it was super real to me because he's obviously in his not in his right mind that as he's doing this, this isn't a well thought out plan. Yeah. He's cutting his hands up as he's breaking glass and things, and just seeing him pull down that rear view mirror like that's what somebody pissed off that's not really thinking about what they're doing does. Yeah, I'd like to point out it only took Goldberg like three attempts to put his elbow through a window. Uh, that he wasn't supposed to because it was real and not fake glass. But that's my point. So <laughs> in, in this movie, Vince Vaughn is Goldberg, and it took him three or four times to break the glass. Yeah. But that's what I meant by it's realistic. It's not like in the movies where somebody can, any 100-pound dude 
can just break a window. Right. They just wrap something around their their fist and then punch it once and it yeah. explodes. No. Uh, and there's multiple things like that that seem super realistic. But then it's also, it's the same thing with this movie. Like, there's other things that just aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately as I'm watching this scene between Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Carpenter, I'm si- who looks just emaciated. Like, she yeah, was never a healthy, healthy looking she's woman. She's never looked healthy. But this is like to next level stuff. Okay. I always thought she looked really weird and gross on Dexter. And all my friends were like, oh my God, have you seen Jennifer? She's so fucking hot. And I'm like, She's just ribs. That's gross. No. She's the one I talked to you about this before. Just like Michelle Rodriguez. Like, there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, she looks pretty. She looks attractive. And then I'm like, oh, she definitely has a penis. (laughs) She has a giant dick under there. Oh, she's pretty again. Just like from shot to shot. Like, it'll it'll bounce back and forth. (laughs) And I can't tell how I feel. Michelle Rodriguez is coming out with a new movie where she plays a transgender person going i don't remember which way but i was like that's the perfect cast <laughs> because she looks like uh gender amorphous as it is a- androgynous yes there was already a word and i had to create had to one, i yeah. had to <laughs> i had to create a uh a, 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 a term <laughs> for a word that already existed you used amorphous <laughs> <laughs> yes it's yeah. it's like uh it's like glass yeah it's just amorphous solid gender fluid um and i all right so anyway so this scene i feel like you learn everything about who these people are and what their relationship is just from Mm -hmm. this one conversation yeah and i love that his hands are just all beat up and just there the whole time so they're they're having this conversation and this is to me where you can see how great of a writer um zoller is in that he They talk just in one sentence, like, are you using? So you immediately know they both have a history with drugs mm-hmm. of what kind of is irrelevant. At least Vince Vaughn is not doing it anymore. And he is anti that, obviously. Right. They have probably had issues in the past because she like goes to to uh, to comfort him or reconcile. And he's like, not yet. You need to stay away from me. And just in and you, you feel like you get the whole 10 years of their relationship in that one conversation about something that isn't about everything that we learned. Right. And it's just great writing. Yeah. And we should talk about this now. This isn't, this isn't wedding crashers, Vince Vaughn. No, not at all. Uh, and I really do think he does a good job. I, 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 I don't think it's, forth. I don't think it's Heath Ledger caliber, like where you're like, where did this fucking guy come from? But I think he did a commendable job. I, I don't know if it was him or Zoller, but I thought he was doing a good job, and then his his character is just so samey, and I think it is the writing. I think that at the very, very end of the movie, we get a tiny bit of emotion, but every other time, he just is kind of robotic, and I... Speaking I of think, Dexter, that is a character who has no emotions and but tries to fake them, and so you kind of root for him on on that level. This is a character who suppresses his emotions or whatever, but just the only emotion you ever see is rage until the very very end, and it, 
it doesn't even doesn't really feel like he has an arc. I don't buy that at all because what I feel like he's doing is what you were talking about suppressing. But I feel like it's like the scene where you see him beating the shit out of that vehicle. He's not laying a hand on her, but I feel like this is a guy that drives a Camaro, has a head tattoo, has a shaved head, is in shape, works towing cars. This is a man's man. This is a machismo guy, right? And he doesn't deal with emotions. He loves his wife, girlfriend, wife, girlfriend, girlfriend, then wife. I don't. It's definitely wife because they talk about the ring so much. Yeah. So... I think starts off as girlfriend and goes to wife. Whatever. He loves Jennifer Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And and eventually his child obviously becomes very important. So it's a, But he is very much that repressed, suppressed emotional thing. And I think Vince Vaughn plays that exactly right. Like when he later he's sitting there talking to the guy that's trying to negotiate a deal with him. I feel like you're getting him suppressing all of that. I don't think it's robotic because it's not, that's all that he's feeling. You can see him feeling things that he's not giving out. But 99% of the time, it's the exact same. It is robotic. Like, we, it's not like he is just that way in front of other people. Like, we have, we as the audience have private time with him, and he's still that same robot the whole time until the, the very, very end. And so I don't think we get a character arc because of that. I think he's he's the same character going out as he was coming in. And so I think that that is Zoller, definitely. Okay, okay so I'm not, I'm not necessarily arguing that there's not an arc, but there doesn't have to be. He's the protagonist. You need an arc. <laughs> and the... To have a satisfying movie, you need a satisfying character arc. And character, especially to me, and I think in indie films, character arcs supersede plot. And this movie is all plot. Like, you spend time with the character of Vince Vaughn, with Vince Vaughn's character, excuse me, uh, not the character of Vince Vaughn. You spend time with Vince Vaughn's character, but he's the same... He's the same character. We just see him react to the I plot. Think, I think you're trying throughout to, the movie. You're trying to look at this movie as if it's on a diagram, and you're trying to make it analytical in a math equation. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm not. I think that's why. I, again, to compare it to Bone Tomahawk, fair or not, you look at these two works, and Bone Tomahawk works because it is this slow-paced. You know that journey across the desert is fantastic. Because we have these characters who can interplay with and each what's other. what's the arc there? The, the character arc? Mm-hmm. For which character? For any character. I don't think that they have an arc either. I think this that's the exact same I think movie. I think that... Uh, Patrick Wilson is the exact same guy. He loves his wife. He's going to do whatever it takes, and he finds her, and he loves her. Uh, Kurt but Russell... He is, but he is the, the least. I think that... Uh, What's his face definitely has an arc, and we build his backstory until Kurt Russell or the the dopey guy, uh, Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox definitely has a character arc, and you get we reveal part of his character, and then up until he gets his big reveal, the heroic moment, and then we get that taken away. I think that uh, Kurt Russell, we 
we definitely see a character arc and we get more No, Kurt Russell's character. the exact same character throughout that whole movie. He he he's he's the sheriff who's obligated to be going through with his job and he does that all the way to the end. But we see him go from it's an it's an obligation, but he goes from hopeful to hopeless. And then at the very end, back to hopeful, but just not for himself. I feel like we are arguing over degrees of good. Because I don't feel like you dislike this movie. I I think the worst the I can what I can say about this movie is kind of the worst thing I can say about this movie, about any movie, and it's that I nothing this movie. I can see that it's well made. I can see that it was even well acted by Vince Vaughn, but I don't. I think that this that the the main problem with this movie is it's it all rests on. Vince Vaughn's character, and by there being no arc there, there's nothing, there's kind of nothing there. As as cool, like, I will praise a lot of things about this movie. I thought that the fight choreography was, was beautifully brutal and realistic, from fighting the car all the way till the fights at the end. Um, and I thought it was, it was very competently and beautifully shot. And like I said, I thought it it was well acted by Vince Vaughn. I just don't think his character was given enough. Uh, So there are things to praise about this movie, but overall my feelings of the movie were kind of nothing. Okay. Um, So moving past that, because I think we're just going to keep tennis balling it back and forth. Yeah. Um, Vince Vaughn ends up saying, I don't have a job. I'm going to have to go back to running drugs. So he ends up running drugs and kind of uh, gets caught in a bad situation. Immediately cut to 18 months later there. It's been going well. He's been working very well. <laughs> he's been working for this guy named Gil. Uh, and then Gil brings him an opportunity. Hey, we're going to run this guy's drugs and his guys are going to come with you. Uh, who Vince Vaughn immediately is like, you, that, I'm not running with that guy. He looks like he's using. Mm-hmm. I'm not running with him. Right. Just immediate split decision. Fuck you. I'm not doing it. Right. And he, he's, I do enjoy the line. Uh, oh, it was instinct, instinct trumps uh, something. Because he tells him, no, he's been two years sober. Oh, yeah. And he's sorry. I don't. Oh, don't know you. Instinct Trump something. Like and, the word of a stranger or something along right, those lines. I like. I like that line. Yeah. So much that I only remember two thirds of it. <laughs> and Gil is like, "Look, you've got a baby due in how many days? Ninety-eight days." Vince Vaughn's counting down. All right, I will give you three months off if you do this run. So here again, you're seeing this is how much his family matters to him. He's going to go ahead and do something which is against his better judgment. He's going to do. Um, and to Vince Vaughn's credit, it goes poorly. Well, it goes well. And then he says, he his instincts kick in and he says, dump the drugs here. Yep. Because they knew gonna, something was going on. We're going to pick him up tomorrow. And they're like, fuck you. And they punch him and take the drugs and run off and then immediately get stopped by the cops. So they do this drug run in the middle of the night 
via boat because it's in a trunk in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you be way better off doing drug runs like this in the day? Like, I feel like nothing would be more suspicious than one single boat floating around and people jumping in the water in the middle of the night. But it's the middle of the ocean, so... But you're still watching people come in and out. Of of the marina, sure. But but during the day, there could... more possibilities of boats out in the water I, i'm not even talking about this i just talk about like in general i feel like if i were to sell drugs i could be the best one ever because i would like fucking here's a tip all drug dealers put it in a bag of groceries inside of a cereal box and then you just like walk through the mall and do it right in front of a cop and hand them the cereal box boom <laughs> you'd be terrible no you're so you you would think you're heisenberg Oh, but I, you're not at all. I would be Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, did, I just, did, you watch Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. Did you watch that and think I could fucking do this? Of course, I. Everybody, yeah. everybody thought that. Like, let's start. Let's start cooking meth as like the new. Hey, we should start a band. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's exactly right. For like three or four years, it became that. <laughs> There's. I, I, my cousin has an RV. Yeah. We can do this. Yeah. We can do this tomorrow. It's, all right, you want to quit? <laughs> All right, this is the last episode. Bye. <laughs> I'm too scared. Oh yeah, never. They've done I'm such a fucking pussy. The United no States way. has done such a good job of making exactly the uh, the cause or uh, the 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 benefit uh, punishment, not to yeah. balance out to where it's not worth it. Like if I would get fined like a hundred bucks to try to rob a bank, I would do that every day. <laughs> yeah. It's not a moral quandary for me. It's wow. strictly a matter of uh, of whether or not I would get caught. See, it's all morality for me. Uh, well, I don't think drugs are immoral, so that's why. But, so like six or seven years ago... Uh, you sold meth? <laughs> six or seven years ago, I was seriously thinking, like, I didn't have a job or anything, and it was before I went back to school. Uh, and I was just thinking, hey, maybe I should move out to California and just, like, grow medical marijuana. And, like, I never get high on my own supply because I don't do drugs. So it would be perfect. I never did, obviously. But I seriously thought about it. Yeah. I think the, I've, the the big problem that I have with the medical marijuana industry, of which I've never been a part of or went to, this is strictly via <laughs> watching videos and things. Okay. Is that I, in my opinion, it's totally a legitimate, med- it has legitimate medical uses. Okay. And that's the argument to make it legally from a medical sense, right? Mm -hmm. However, they do not treat it as such because you have never went to the doctor and gotten strep throat and gotten a prescription for a uh, antibiotic called spicy banana blast, right? And that's the way they still treat it in those dispensaries is they still treat it as if it's pot in a head shop instead of strain 5542 or whatever, they still, it's like jalapeno popper, crazy Mahama Bamba. You know, you get what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I don't know pot. But my, <laughs> you have no idea what strain names no, are. No, no, I don't. But but you get my point. The fact that they have them strain names like that. Yeah. Someone that is on the bubble, like, I think this is just for hippies and uh, those rabble rousers. Mm-hmm. When they see that, that doesn't help the argument that it's for a medicinal purpose. Um. I can see that, but also it's like, 
you know, you can get prescribed like amoxicillin, but you could get like, stop saying like you fucking asshole. You could get the like bubblegum flavored liquid. You could get like caplets or tablets or whatever. That's it's not exact. It's not exactly a one to one. I get no. it, but you you could go to the medical marijuana dispensary and be like, hey, uh, I I have no idea what I'm doing, and they mm-hmm. could walk you through it and get like. You can get edibles or yes. tablets, and I'm fine or with all whatever. of that. But I'm saying, if you know that you were battling someone that for their entire life has seen this as a hippie thing and a negative thing, you've got to be selling them on that fact, right? Like you're trying to make the argument: this is not. Are you talking from like a hearts and minds legislative? Yes. Perspective? Yeah, that's okay. exactly what I'm saying. When you're trying to sell this as, look, guys, we this is a legit thing that can help a lot of people for a lot of different ailments. Do not set it up like a head shop, which that's it feels 80 percent like a head shop from what I've seen and 20 percent like uh, a pharmacy. I don't know. I think medical marijuana is kind of going to go away and we're just going to have wreck states. No, I I agree that that's the case, but I'm still saying if you are on the forefront of trying to do that, you still have to sell it on that, you know? Uh, I hear, you know, we live in Indiana, I hear medical marijuana is going to come up on the docket here in the next couple months, and I kind of wonder how they're going to handle that. Um, So I'm debating about bringing the idea to my wife that she should start smoking marijuana because she has Crohn's mm-hmm. uh, and she's been having flare-ups lately. And that's one of the things that they prescribe in other States. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that it would, there's a possibility that it would help mm-hmm. and it sucks the idea that like there's something that can help, but I would, you'd have to go Get around the law, yeah. go around the law in order to help her. Yeah. Um, my, my stepdad also has Crohn's and, uh, just found out that he has bladder cancer uh and so he took uh in a, uh i think humira for the crohn's which is an immunosuppressant and so for the cancer treatment he couldn't be on an immunosuppressant or anything so i think you know if we had medical marijuana in the state like 100 percent, like that's would probably be the best thing for him yeah exactly but he's an old-fashioned guy and I think there's zero chance that he would ever, if anyone were ever to broach the subject of him doing it illegally, even though it would probably be helpful, there's zero chance. He so would that's ever do the that. guy that I'm talking about. Imagine it is legal and he walks into a place that treats it like a pharmacy and he's like, uh, can you tell me what to get? And they're like, I recommend strain 55R because it's very calming or whatever. Or is he going to be, if he walks into a head shop, and they try to sell him something with a floofy name, which one is he going to feel better about? He's going to feel better about treating it like a prescription. That's the guy that I'm but talking about. But also prescription drugs are called like Poxa Frigger, Frigerba, and then they're marketed as Xanax. Cool. Call it Xanax strain then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Call it something medicinal. Don't call it something that looks like it. But Xanax is just TV. a brand name, just like... Purple Haze is a brand name. But Purple Haze sounds like a Bob Marley CD. <laughs> That's my point. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's a Jimi Hendrix song. But... <laughs> um, okay. Bra. Yeah. So, um, this is another moment of, like, super realistic things in that there's a, a couple of grenades come out. 
right? Mm-hmm. So these grenades come out, and you're like, holy shit, this dude's got a grenade. This is a movie. It's going to destroy the entire fucking block, right? Because that's what happens. That's what a grenade is, according to movies, right? Sure. Uh, and dude throws the grenade, and it's- Under the cop car. Under the cop car. And, I mean, it screws that cop car up. Yeah. But it is what I presume- But there are people, like, 20 feet away yeah. who are fine, because, because the cop car took all the blast, and it- just lifted off the ground, yeah. which is what a real and the one that went into the, the water, water was like a relatively small. Like Vince Vaughn was like five feet away from it yep. and only got it in the foot. He was and he also like did an awkward like lunge away yeah. from it, which is what you would do in real life. Like mm-hmm. he didn't jump out of the water like a great white shark. Right. Like I feel like you would see in the in a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Um, both of those grenade explosions. Just seeing those things, I was like. There's going to be people that watch that and they're like, that was a lame explosion, mm-hmm. but that is a real explosion. Yeah. All the all the fights in this, the gunfights and the actual fights, all I thought were really realistic and brutal uh, in like the right, the right ways. Yep. Uh, so Vince Vaughn ends up uh, doing the right thing and because he knows these guys are going to kill these cops, so he ends up getting arrested basically for trying to save these cops. Yeah. He, I mean, he kills... Uh, one of the guys or shoots one of the guys enough that he he gets walks killed into by the, cops. The, the cops fire and then shoots the other guy and and uh, knocks him out uh he is not going to roll over on gill or the other guy so he's just going to do his time mm-hmm. he ends up uh going to do four or five years and yep. he'll be out uh gets sentenced to seven. To seven. Mm-hmm. Just rug pulled out from under him. Yeah. He's like, well, what the fuck just happened? Seven years. Yeah, and because of America's, yay, war on drugs, he's going to serve every every day of that. Um, and then we have a very cool exchange where he's, they do a good job of making you sympathetic with him in the prison and the prison guards are kind of dickheads, but you still understand the guards perspective because they're trying to show dominance over the new prisoners. But I appreciated that they weren't like huge dickheads. Like they, they were bureaucrats, you know, like they were exactly what it was. They were caught up in the bureaucracy. Like they made, you know, tiny little jokes and they definitely asserted like, Hey, we're in charge here, but it was, you know, all right, I got to look in your ass. This, nobody likes this. It was like a bad a bad BMV experience yeah. for Vince Vaughn as he was going through the lines yeah. is what it felt like. Like you were just powerless against them and they know it and they're going to continue to do it. Right. And there was uh, <clears throat> medium level security. So like one inmate was just walking him through orientation. Yep. So that seemed weird. Like you don't see that in movies. No, but I think I that's don't know, real. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's real because I've never been to prison, it, but... I, yeah, my my wife and I, uh, we don't have regular TV. Like, we just have Hulu, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we for a period of time, we would stay in hotels a lot because we lived away. We would come and we would stay in a hotel. And mm-hmm. always, inevitably, we would just end up watching, like, Lock Up. Like, all the time. Like, it's kind yeah. of fascinating to me, like, watching these people in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were usually more higher security because those are sexier. But not knowing really anything about this level of security, it felt real to me cool um also you could tell us it was like super low budget because both prisons have about 20 prisoners yeah. at max yep mm-hmm. yeah yep and i think they did that 
pretty it's they they managed to do that by making sure that you were seeing the intake procedure you were seeing the the one block or whatever mm-hmm. and that's about it yeah um so vince von gets a visitor on his very f- on his second day right yeah he goes he goes to finish up orientation and is told that his wife's obstetrician wants to talk to him so he gets to talk to him but it's not him about this time when he like goes to his cell for the first time uh my wife was watching this with me mm-hmm. and uh i told her like so i don't want to go to jail for seven years but i'm kind of jealous of him like if you could give me like a week or two like not having to deal with you and the kids like i could just have some quiet time i'd be good with like a week or two of that yeah a little vacation except his wife got face started not yet not when i'd said this like right now i'm just like well by the time he gets to the obstetrician yeah she gets face started. No, right? I said the very first night that he's sitting oh, in the yeah. room. Uh, I, that's when I said that I was a little jealous of Vince Vaughn at that moment. It was very cushy. He had it to himself. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that doesn't look so bad, dude. He had like little orientation papers on the bed. Um, around this time. It's not quite yet, but it doesn't matter. Like my wife just keeps saying like, he's tall. He's tall. How tall do you think he is? And went back and forth on it for like a long time. And then you cut to a scene and the two guards are bu- talking about Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it's like 6'4". Six, 6'2". No, six, two. Six, two. And then, then he walks by. 6'5". Yeah, probably. And that was at the exact <laughs> moment my wife had looked it up on her phone and said 6'5". Yeah. She said the word 6'5", like exactly when the security <laughs> guard was saying 6'5". <laughs> and I was just thinking, I know Vince Vaughn 6'5". That's a fact that I know about Vince Vaughn. <laughs> you don't know the 33rd president, but you know... You know Vince Vaughn's height. Uh, shit. 33rd president would have been Eisenhower? I got, I got the 35th nothing. was Kennedy. <clears throat> I got nothing. So was Eisenhower two before? I got nothing. Kennedy? So, the, he has the visitor. We'll go with Eisenhower, and then I'm going to look it up. He has the visitor. Turns out the visitor works for the guy that Gil had made the drug deal with. And he says, we have your wife. Here's a picture of her. Yeah. We, we have, see her get face started. She gets face started, um, which she weighs 12 pounds. I feel like one dart would have done wonders for her. Yeah. But she pulled it out very quickly. So yeah. <laughs> just she has hollow bones like a bird. Yeah. So I think that messes with with the tranquilizer qualities of it. Yeah. I Man, Dexter, I always she I. I don't know. I, she was never believable as a cop because I just felt like any criminal could just like push her down and just like <laughs> get away from me, just <laughs> throw her thirty feet. Like she'd have to like crank up like a a, a rig a system to lift the gun. <laughs> she doesn't have enough muscle mass to do it. Yeah. Um. So they tell Vince Vaughn, "Here's the deal. You owe us a million dollars because you fucked up our drug bust." Or our drug deal. $3.2 million. $3.2 million you I owe think us. that's what it's you like cost How us. the hell am I going to uh, pay this off? And they, he says, here's what you're going to do. You need to get to this other prison, which is a maximum security prison, and you need to kill this guy when you get there. Or we have an abortionist that is going to cut the limbs off of your unborn child. Holy shit. And then he'll be, but it'll still be born. Yes. Armless and legless. Yes. 
It's pretty fucked up. It's fucked up. Truman. Truman was the mm-hmm. president. So you didn't know that. You will now, forever. I think it went Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So Vince Vaughn has to decide, all right, I'm supposed to do seven years. So I can either do my seven years and get out, but my child will be handicapped. Or I attempt to try to kill this guy. And how am I going to do that? I have to get to the maximum security prison. And he makes decision pretty quick because he beats the shit out of a cop. I'm sorry, not a cop, a guard. Uh, And he breaks his arm. It's a yeah, compound I like, fracture. I like that guard. Yeah, he. Because they're talking about like he's like he's ball busting. He's, he's like he's ball busting. He's like him. sorry for how he acted earlier. Like I really wanted you to join the boxing. And you get the feeling league. it's it's almost like they're co like it's kind of like a coworker relationship. Like, hey man, I know we're gonna be here together for a long time. I don't want us to not be cool. Yeah. With each other, that's what that apology felt like. Mm-hmm. Was was that? Um, and it was like we, a boss, a boss subordinate apology, right? Yeah. Is that, that's what it felt like. Like we still got to be, we still got to come to work every day and see each other. And then they throw down a box and then they throw down a box and it, and it, it really, I do enjoy this too, because you get the feel Vince Vaughn doesn't want to do this shit, but if he has to choose between this guy's arm or life and his child, he's going to choose all of these guards lives. But that's the thing you you never you just assume that like you never get that because he's the same robot that he was in the orientation room to in front of the fake obstetrician and then beating up the guard he's the same robot and that that's my main problem with this movie so am i inferring things that aren't there i i I think that you, I don't know, like, in my mind, maybe I'm stripping all of the subtext or whatever out, but he is so robotic throughout the whole thing, like, you can see why he would immediately make that decision, and you know that he made the decision by the actions that he takes, but we never see him make the decision, we never see him contemplate the decision. See, I feel like I do, but I don't. And we could watch the scene. We could pull it up right now, and it's not going to be something that you can definitively say yes or no, mm-hmm. because we can agree he doesn't say it, right? I feel like you see it happening. If you didn't feel like that, maybe because it happens in his face, and you don't know human emotions. I know human emotions. <laughs> I just don't. Uh. But but my point is yeah. is that I think that that this is a harder one. Whereas we could be arguing over a cut or something, and it would be more definitive. Um, but if we're trying to read a performance, I think that it, uh, it's something that's subjective. And I'm saying I felt whether or not it was there or it's me putting something on that's not there. I can't speak to, but I felt that as I, I was watching it. I don't think it was Vince Vaughn's fault. I think that he was playing it exactly how Craig Zoller wanted it to be played. I, I will would agree with that. But that being said, I think Craig Zoller did what he needed to do in these scenes because I did feel that whether or not that's me putting something on it that's not there or you not being a human being, we'll never know. I, I think that as someone with a wife and kids, you just immediately 
I'm like, of course. Yeah, like, I could be bringing my own yeah. shit to this for sure. I could be putting that on there that's not on screen. I could be reading it different. Um, yeah. So he decides and he boxes with this dude. He beats the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. He takes down a couple other guards in the process. Yeah. And he earned a one-way ticket to the rougher prison. Mm-hmm. Take out. He's got to take out Christopher Bridge. And this is the moment when spoilers. This is where I feel like it gets into spoiler territory. This prison. What? Like this. This. Our podcast is spoilers. No, that's true. But I feel like when there's big ones, like we talked about old boy and stuff, and this is the moment where I feel like it gets big. What I wish people would have warned me that something big happens. I don't know. I don't know if this is for you, but this is for me. They get to a prison, which feels like it belongs in a 1980s Rambo movie. Like it's, he's like a prisoner of war type prison that rules don't apply. It's like the gulag. I don't know what that is. It's like a famous Russian prison prison. And that's the moment where it goes into the cannibal Indian territory of bone tomahawk and i feel like if i watch it again with those with that in mind i would enjoy it more but i i was just it went from that moment of being so realistic to being so absurd are you talking about like as soon as he gets in the prison or when he gets to the secret prison within the prison when he gets to this no when he gets to the the prison yeah because they put him in like a cell with a really dirty cell with the toilet full of shit yeah. and everything yep even when he got outside the prison and they were being dickheads to him i was like this feels a little too much to me when yeah. they so they dumped all of his stuff outside they didn't let him keep him like those have got to be illegal actions that they're taking uh, definitely yeah um and it, it, it took it one notch above believability but again i wish i would have known that that's what i was walking into was it's a pulp movie as opposed to mm-hmm. a realistic grindhouse style movie. Yeah. Um, so he ends up going into this prison and he has to, finds out uh, by going on. He goes to rec time. And he it's like, hey, where's Christopher Bridge? Well, he's in cell block 99. Uh, and that's where the baddest motherfuckers are. The only way you're going to go there. Well, he knows he's there in cell block 99. So he says, which of these which of these guys are from cell block 99? He's like. None of them, uh, you know, they don't, they don't get to see the light. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go lift weights. He's like, dude, don't fucking go over there. And he goes over there to lift some weights and beats up a Mexican gang. And this is the moment like he boxed before, but this is the moment where Vince Vaughn goes full masters of the universe on these dudes. Paul, he called down the power of Grayskull? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what this prison felt like. Like, it was made of, like, uh, it was, like, in a cave. Like, it was milled and mined from the earth. Sure. Like, didn't, yeah. Didn't it feel they like did, that? They, 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 it wasn't built. It was discovered. Yes, exactly. There was just, like, <laughs> these caverns, and then they just put they put gates on it and then turned it into a prison. Playing on some grass. Yeah. So that's yeah, exactly what it felt this like. This will be the wreck area. Yeah. <laughs> well... We'll put a basketball hoop over there. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Some benches over there. Uh, great. And he beats the shit out of him. Uh, and then the warden, warden, yeah, of the prison is like, all right, you're going to cell block ninety nine. They put him in there. Uh, 
behind a fucking bookcase. Yeah, they put it's, it's behind. It's hidden behind a bookcase. They put on a a, a shock belt, mm-hmm. um, and put him in a room filled with glass. Yeah, there's glass all over the floor. So this is total Russian prison torture yeah. stuff going on right now. Um, and Vince Vaughn ends up being pulled aside, and he obviously is going to have to be d- beat down by the Mexican gang. They've arranged something with the prison guards. And lo and behold, it's not just the prison gang. It's the drug runner that he fucked up the drug run for. Mm-hmm. There's no Christopher Bridge. Nope. Doesn't exist. Nope. Ploy to get him to go to them. Uh, and Vince Vaughn is like, okay, shit. Now my unborn child is going to get fucked. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get killed. Unless I have a brawl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what he named the movie. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, you know what this calls for? A brawl in Cell Block 99. And then you put on sunglasses <laughs> and the Who played. Uh, is that the CSI song? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I didn't know that was the Who. <laughs> I hate that guy. That guy is... David Caruso, the worst fucking actor in the world. I hate him so much. I mean, he had a thing, and then he had to keep doing the thing. I don't know that's necessarily his fault. Uh, it's like Gallagher. One time he was like, maybe I'll smash a watermelon, and then like he became the watermelon smashing uh, okay, guy. That, I would probably do the same thing. Exactly. Right. But that being said, I, that thing that he does, I fucking hate it. <laughs> okay? Like, listen to old Jeff Foxworthy albums, where mm-hmm. it's like... You might be a redneck is just like a small part of it. Mm-hmm. And then like he's actually a really hilarious comedian, but then he had to do more and more devote more and more time to you might be a redneck and uh so years ago my parents made the terrible mistake of letting me sign up for like the Columbia mail order thing where you put Columbia the stamps House, yeah. on. Yeah. Uh and like I got one of those CDs and I listened to it all the time. So where the point where it's like ingrained in my memory. Mm-hmm. Jeff Foxworthy I, CD. I can quote. The, I can quote several of his CDs. Okay, so we're on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's Tommy Boy or something that you should be able to quote to somebody. No. <laughs> so I always feel like these moments pop up, and I just have to keep it to myself. Yeah. So it's like, uh, if I don't get a taco, I'm. <laughs> yeah. If I don't get a taco, I'm gonna dig my nails into this dashboard. Or like, we've seen Georgia on the map. Yeah. It's yep. purple. Yep, yep. I know the exact line. <laughs> Hold on, honey. <laughs> Hold on, honey. As soon as your light turns green, I'm going to make myself a left-hand turn. <laughs> the one that I always that I always think about is he's talking about like driving across the country and his wife will like ask to drive or like right at the very end. He's like, good, I was getting tired. Why don't I pull over here and let you kick it onto the driveway? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought we would have started giggling at Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> jokes on the selling the brawl and sell block 99 episode? How did this happen? Uh, it, things happen. That's that's the magic. I think yep, that's <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Come for the Vince Vaughn, stay for the Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll all go into the golden corral. The, uh, the other one that I, that I think about a lot because I really thought it was funny is he was referencing like filming the birth of a baby mm-hmm. and 
that's that's horrific. And he's yeah. like, we got some nice footage of the conception, but nothing <laughs> of the. <laughs> and I never got that as a kid because I got this at like eight years old. Yeah, I never understood it. Yeah, uh, and I don't think I've ever heard it when I understood it, but I still just remember that, and I know that it's funny now. Like I put it together. Yeah. Um. So Vince Vaughn ends up. How do how do we describe this from here? I don't think we need to go through the intricacies, but we we end up with a huge fucking brawl, and Vince Vaughn kicks ass. Right. So he he finds an opportunity when uh, the guards are going to take him to go visit them again, and he takes the guard host takes the guards hostage. Uh, accidentally kills one of them because he was trying to be a hero. See, and this is another moment where I feel like you're seeing a character in Vince Vaughn. This was the douchiest guard that he accidentally kills. Yeah. But he's still not, ha- he still, it was an accidental kill. He didn't mean to, and he's upset about the fact that he killed him. But again, it's just like, it's robotic. You killed him. Yeah. He, he was an idiot and I killed him. It's like, it's the same robot. Like we get, to, we understand he took an action. He says that he didn't want to, or he says that it was the the other guy's fault. No, 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 no. I'm w- but, talking about way more than what he says. You see it when it happens that he didn't mean to do that, and he's feeling it. Okay. That that's what I think. That's the difference between what you and I got from this movie. Is I feel like I'm seeing more again, just whether or not I'm seeing it. Whether it's there, or whether I'm putting it on him, I'm seeing all of those things happen from mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn. Um, and then when people describe this movie as brutal, this is the moment when it definitely becomes that. Yeah, because he kicks some ass. Yeah, he face stomps four guys to death. Well, yeah the 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 Karate Man he face stomps and then drags his face across the thing, mm-hmm. so it you just get weird fucking bone face that was the brutalest part I it feel. looks like on on nightmare on elm street when freddy krueger rips his face off and is like like the ghoul face i just hit the mic <laughs> that's usually reserved for you yeah. i can see the spike right there on the monitor too that picked <laughs> it up good um uh but here's the thing i, I i'm not a rotten.com guy i no, can't no, do no. any of those things oh. but i've seen a handful like where you don't try to like chain letters are you okay? You What's just your... reminded me of something from high school. Oh, I hate you. Just like a terrible chain letter? Uh, it was the weightlifter. Do you remember the weightlifter? Oh, yeah, I saw that. <sighs> yeah, Like where you'd have a friend that's like, look at this terrible thing, right? Um, so I've seen a handful, more than I ever wanted, but I don't think a lot by comparison to other people as far as actual things that have happened to people. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it always kind of looks fake from what I've seen. Sure. So here's my question, because this almost looked fake. Like, it was a little off-putting, like I didn't understand what I was looking at, Mm -hmm. but that had the same feeling to me when I've seen real things. Yeah. So, like, was that closer to realistic than what... I think it was probably mostly realistic. Uh, From, like, he... His face was on the pavement over there, Mm -hmm. and... He had his he had his boot on the back of the, the nape of his neck, and pushed him forward to drag him across concrete. Concrete, and you ended concrete. up with skull. Not Walter Cronkite. <laughs> he didn't drag him across Walter Cronkite. <laughs> uh, Which I don't know if he's a hairy man, so I was gonna say it would be a much smoother ride. So Vince Vaughn, 
uh, does some more face kip- kicking and ends up decapitating our main villain via face kicking through like a drain. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Um, he kicks out a he kicks a dude's jaw off and his teeth go flying. And this all the. <laughs> If there was ever a movie that could make Vince Vaughn seem like a badass, they pull it off, I think. Yeah. They really do. Like, Vince Vaughn sells the fact that he could do this, and it doesn't come across as superhero-y or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It It is old. This is a very old boy style movie, in that you have this pretty average dude that turns into a badass motherfucker. Yeah. Except it's, it's much more realistic and less flashy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not that old boy isn't realistic, but... It's way less flashy. Stylized. Yeah. Right? It's less stylized. Um, so finally, he gets stuck to his wife, and we see the moment that you're talking about where he's crying and he's mm-hmm. telling her he loves her. It, yeah, it's the it's the first time he's not the same robot to me. To you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up letting the guards in, and the warden. As he's decapitating the last guy. As he's decapitating the last guy. Hands up. And the film ends. With the worst shot ever. It doesn't look good, does it? It's so bad. The d- they should have ended with his back. A, it's easily a dummy. They should have ended with his back, right? Yeah. But uh, here's the thing. Okay. So when he kicked the guy's jaw off and the teeth, like, it, it didn't look amazing. But it looked, it was close enough of a flash and everything that you, you don't have time to go, oh, that didn't look good because he's beating someone else's ass right after that. This is the last shot of the movie. Mm -hmm. This is a bad Vince Vaughn dummy. doesn't look anything like him. It's just a bald, generic dummy. So the last two shots you see them shoot. So he's got his hands up and he's like, all right, you got me. And this prison, which obviously plays by its own rules, shoots him in the chest, and his back explodes. Yeah. Then you cut to the dummy. Like a real close-up on the dummy's face. It looks like Maniac. It looks like Tom Savini's bust in Maniac, which that was made in 1980, so it feels like like that's more forgiving. This just felt like the, the MMA dummy. Like, you know, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, and, like, there's the MMA guy. It looked like that to me. Yeah. And, like, it blows off part of his face. It was so bad. Yeah. And that's the last shot you're left with. And it was disappointing because I don't think that this is a... Again, I didn't feel anything, really. But I don't feel like this is a bad movie. I feel like this is a well-made movie. More importantly, you know these little buttons on the chair? I always fidget with these and pull them off. And I just dropped one, so talk for a minute so I can pick these up. Do you ever realize that's what I do? Like, you've seen me pick stuff up all the floor, like, every episode. That's what I'm doing is I fidget with these little buttons, and they pop off, then I have to pick them up. <laughs> so I'm going to pick it up now. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so. Got it. It's the last shot Got of it. the movie. And you're left with this horrible taste in your mouth for me that. Uh, it Because it is such a well-made movie. And this is such a not good effect. I would agree with that. The thing that I left with with it is, because I feel like I was probably more emotionally invested in the Vince Vaughn character than you were, is the bittersweetness of his wife is safe. We didn't say that. He ends up 
through phone calls, end up yeah. saving his wife. The bittersweetness of like this guy got to die like, few, my child is safe, but then he fucking dies, so it sucks. I, I didn't know immediately, but when the warden shows up and he's behind the door, that's when I realized I know he knows he's not getting out of this. So I knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, Am I an idiot for not putting that together? How did you know? No. How did you know that he knew? Because the, I've, or you're just getting into the warden's head, like he's not the guy that's going to put up with this shit, right? Like he knows that he killed one of the guards, mm-hmm. and killing the prisoners. I don't think this is the type of warden that cares all that much. No, but he's caused enough carnage and chaos that he knows he's not getting out of this. Uh, and so, like I knew then, so. Yeah, I, that was kind of the, the it already lo- lost it. You already you already yeah. had that moment that I got at the end. Yeah. Okay. So there, it was just raw bad shot. Okay. Um, final thoughts on Brawl or anything that you're missing? Again, I it, to me it was a nothing movie, which sucks, but it it was well made, and I am still excited to see what Zoller does next. Um, not as good as Bone of Tomahawk for me, um, oh. but that's a very high level. To, to live up to I think I felt way more throughout the film than you did I would hold it in super high regards I really want to see it again and I am completely on board for whatever Zoller has next um, so uh, not not a masterpiece um, but but darn good sure good speaking uh, of darn good mm-hmm. the shocker Sh- what's unless the sh- you had something to go into what's the shocker or do you mean Shocker? Oh, it's just called Shocker? It's just called Shocker. Okay, Shocker. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> shocker. Um, Justin, would you give us a synopsis for Shocker? <laughs> okay. Hold on. Let, before you give us... Let, let, me, let me do this. Let's not necessarily give a synopsis of the movie. This is a franchise. This was... This was Are you serious? This was Wes Craven's... Next franchise that he was building after okay. what after after Freddy, so he created Freddy Krueger, which in one sentence you would just say, Freddy Krueger is a the the concept of Nightmare on Elm Street is if you die in your dreams you die in real life, mm-hmm. and there is someone that is murdering people in their dreams, and thus you'll die in real life. Sure. Super simple premise that you could expand and go anywhere with, right? Iconic Freddy Krueger, etc. Mm-hmm. Here you have iconic looking, bald, wearing a jumpsuit killer. What is the elevator one sentence pitch for Shocker? If you die in TV, you die in real life. <laughs> Do you die in TV though? But you don't die in I TV. Don't know. <laughs> What happened? I don't know what. I don't understand. I don't understand any rules. If if you run into a goalpost, you'll get second link to a killer. I don't know. <laughs> Overall thoughts on on shocker. Uh, but I don't. I don't know what my thought. Like this movie sucked. Like it was sometimes fun, but it's. 
Uh, it was too... Okay. I like uh, really bad movies. And I like really insane things. This was too bad and too insane for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Shocker is like four movies kind of put together. Sure, yeah. Um, I'd buy that. And there's like... <sighs> two of those movies i love and like when i think about shocker that's what i think about like that's okay. what i love uh we can talk more about these things as we get along i'll tell you what what i'm talking specifically and the other two things i'm like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like i want to make a fan edit of this movie that only puts those two movies together okay that's my thoughts on shocker <laughs> if that helps um okay so we open with so first of all, again, great job last week for your, you gave me exactly what I want you to give every week. Okay. Uh, you, you pitched Earl Musket, right? You remember Earl yeah. Musket? You got Horace Pinker. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what, why could, you would name your horror icon Horace Pinker? I don't, I don't think that's as bad of a name as you seem to think it is. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So there you go. So Horace Pinker, uh, we see killing a family, right? Also, it's he's credited. It's like he's the only one who gets his character name, mm-hmm. and it's as Horace Pinker, but in quotes. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't understand that. <laughs> Are they trying to say he's not really Horace? Not Pinker? really Horace Pinker. He's shocker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we immediately see Mitch Pileggi, and he's killing a family, right? Is that the open? Okay. Yep, because you get to see. Um. Uh, is it the opening? No, but the opening is like the credits are over him, like doing. TV oh, he's creating stuff. TV. Yep, yep. And then it, basically the first real thing in the movie is the football game, the yes. football practice. Do you know my battleship reference? Remember, I said this was movie was tied to battleship. No, this movie is tied to battleship in a very very distinct way. Do you know what that is? I just said no. Okay. Uh, do you know who the director of Battleship was? Uh, no. Okay. The same, The director of Battleship was the guy that directed The Rundown and Very Bad Things. Okay. The Rundown's good. Very Bad Things is fantastic. What's Very Bad Things? The uh, John Favreau, Christian Slater. Um, mm, I've uh, seen that. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit. We got to watch Very Bad Things. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I just got a boner thinking about very bad things. Oh, yeah. Uh, the director of those I mean, movies. I heard you say John Favreau, so I know you had a boner. The director <laughs> the director of those movies is Peter Berg. Okay. Do you know who Peter Berg is? Is he the main character of He's the, the main character of that movie. Is the director of Battleship. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like that should have been bigger to you, but it was <laughs> I really thought you were going to sit down and be like, Peter Berg is the star of this movie. What but is have happening? Have we already had that? Like, somebody who did, have we already had a movie where the main character, like, this is the only movie he's in and now he just makes movies? I don't know. I feel like this isn't the first time this has happened. Yeah. So that was anticlimactic for me, what just <laughs> happened. I'm so disappointed right now. All right. So, Peter Berg's performance in this movie, I think think is what john heater based napoleon dynamite on <laughs> it feels like a lot of the times 
Because <laughs> he's supposed to be, I think he's supposed to, he's this weird looking dude that always seems confused. Like you can't tell if he's dumb or stoned. Or but he's supposed to be like the, the star. Wearing a retainer. But but he's supposed to be the, the star, star football player. Yeah, he doesn't like feel the, like that guy. He feels like he's always like derping around. Yeah. Pretty hard, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't know. One of my favorite things in this movie happens immediately where, so it's the first play you see in practice and uh, he runs past his defender, catches the ball and is running for a touchdown and then his defender catches up and tackles him. And so the coach comes over to yell at him and the coach yells his entire backstory at him. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> I was like, hey, you... <laughs> I know you had a rough life, and you did this, this, and this. Like, everything has happened. We all know as things have happened. I'm not saying anything new here. I did love the coach. I want to see a movie more focused on the coach yeah, than definitely. Peter Berg. Like, or Rhino. I liked yeah, Rhino. Rhino was cool. I liked Rhino way better than Peter Berg. Rhino is the hero of this movie. Yeah. So so then he runs into a goalpost. Um, yeah. Which, <laughs> this movie could not be made now because we know something about head trauma. Yeah. But he has head trauma and doesn't recognize the girl he's been dating for years and doesn't know if he slept with her. Uh, <laughs> and it's supposed to be hilarious. Right. <laughs> like, the the nerd is like, hey, I think you have a concussion. And he's just like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. And, then and the like, coach is like, I don't care. Go home. Yeah. Go sleep it off. And he trips over a, a, a the Gatorade yeah, so, thing. But it's like nipple high, so and he just has to like throw himself <laughs> over it. Because normally you would just run into it and it would tip over and you'd be like, oh, that's sorry. Awkward. Yes, or the people that were walking with you. But instead he touches it and is magnetically attracted and <laughs> flings over it. Well, there's a lot of science that I don't understand in this movie, so I would, <laughs> I would buy that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then we see... Which Pelegi, uh, murdering a group, a family, right? Because uh, he goes home, yeah, cause he, he goes to sleep. Uh, so he's walking home with his girlfriend. There are weird, bad, green screen, ethereal children run by. Uh, then he goes home. He's like, this is my childhood home. Which he calls it his childhood home. Uh, uh, but it's like... His foster family is the one that gets killed there. Yeah, this whole this whole his life is confusing to me <laughs> because he was raised in foster care, presumably for a long enough time that it left. A, well, I guess if your foster parents got murdered, then you would probably remember that. You mean his real parents? Uh, well, his real parents weren't around. Then he moved in with his foster parents. Then he got adopted by the lieutenant sheriff guy. So he went to three homes? Yeah. He doesn't remember his first home. Because you find out that towards the middle of the movie, that character wait, reveal. So who who dies in the first kill? Um, That's his current family. I thought the current family was the lieutenant dad. It is. Okay. That's who gets killed. 
there's only two families. There's his real family and his foster family mm-hmm. who adopted him. Right. There's no I don't know which family. order it happens. He gets two of his families get murdered throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, But that's what I, I think I said he, that before. He, I, I'm confused <laughs> by like this guy's family tree. So he sees uh, his adopted family get killed uh, and then wakes up. It's all a dream and immediately runs home and turns out everything he saw was real the lieutenant is there uh so you know it was his family who had been murdered and then a reporter shoves a mic in his face and was like now that the killer struck your family are you more apt to go after him which was awesome like no reporter would have like even in the worst situation no reporter would have the balls to do that um, but we just have to get introduced to this guy because <laughs> he is, the entire plot revolves around this reporter. Yes, eventually. So he, Peter Berg, starts to tell his dad, "I know what happened. I saw it all happen. Here's where all of the victims were located. His three fingers were broken. They got killed in Sally's room. Immediately, this makes him a suspect, right? Yeah, like." this movie he obviously goes to jail starts getting questioned they interrogate him thoroughly and he becomes the prime suspect but he's right telling his dad who is the the, the lieutenant who's the lieutenant or whatever on the case but he's telling his dad and his dad is like his dad's understandably freaking out and tells him he doesn't want to hear about it right because it's okay it is 100 percent both realistic and unrealistic at the same time <laughs> the amount that he does and doesn't believe or doesn't doesn't buy any of this shit. Uh, no one, no one in this movie acts like a human. R- Rhino doesn't really. The coach doesn't. Mm, no, no, no. There's no human beings in this movie. Maybe the girlfriend, but she's but ethereal. She she, she's ethereal for three two thirds of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm legitimately trying to go through every character I can think of, like little girl, little girl's mom, runner, <laughs> T, rhino, coach. There's no human, Horace Pinker. No, nobody reacts like any human being would react in this movie. Nope. The doctor. Nope. nope. The family with the couch or with the cat portrait. <laughs> they don't react. <laughs> like, nope. She like almost breaks the fourth wall at that moment. Yeah, they don't react. They don't react. Okay. Um, I just remembered what you're talking about. Like I've ta- I've talked about <laughs> I've heard about what? interactive television before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Thanks, Groucho. It's great. <laughs> That's so stupid. It's like kind of breaking the fourth. Like I would be losing my shit, and she's just concerned about her popcorn at that point. <laughs> Uh, okay anyway we'll get there we'll get there john tesh is in this movie why is john tesh in this movie (laughs) dude he was trying to get in on the ground floor of this franchise Uh, john tesh is listed second in the credits (laughs) so (laughs) so uh peter berg ends up saying i know who this guy is i saw his van which looks like it was written drawn on with crayons (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it says Pinkerton's TV repair. So Pink, Pinker's TV repair. Pinker's TV repair. Uh, we'll do it in your home. Something like that. 
<laughs> so they end up at his repair place and there are dozens of tube TVs all playing the same uh, bombings and, and collage of things. Well, half of them are playing that and half are playing a KKK rally. Do you know how hard, how much effort it took Horace Pinker to make all of those play? <laughs> that, like, think about the coax cables and 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 Ys and Ts that would have to be ran to make that possible. Like, it well, looks like it's this disorderly place, but he put in so much effort to make those play. It's the 80s. Play. It's probably not even coax. It's the, the, oh, the, yeah. the two-prong ones. That yes, you you're right. In. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, like, the, the amount of effort that it took <laughs> Horace Pinker to make this seeming, like, seeming, but but he has a trap door, just like in Brawl in Cell Block 99. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's Where's hiding. Where's the trap door in that movie? In what movie? Where's the trap door? Not trap door, the bookcase thing. Oh, yeah. They both they both have the bookcase. Secret door. Secret door, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not quite a trap. Because he does, in the secret room, he does actually have a trap door. Yeah. <laughs> So, so uh, that's what I was thinking of. My, my bad. I'm sorry. Um, so if, I just feel like it would take an awful lot of effort for this guy who I think I feel like killing is his real passion mm-hmm. and TV repair is secondary to that. But it took him a lot of effort to try to get all of those things to play. Yeah, he's like he's like Siler from uh, Heroes, who's really into making clocks like he really likes watch repair and and clockwork. But he really likes to kill. That's. It's really his main passion. I don't know anything about that. And as an Asian guy. Heroes? Watch the first season. Don't watch anything else. Just watch the first season. It's I am great. way more apt to do that than the opposite of what I usually hear, which is like, put up with the first 12 seasons, and they kind of blow. <laughs> but once you get to season 13, things really take off. Here's what it is. The first season is fantastic. The second season blows chunks. And then the third and fourth seasons get progressively better. But they're nowhere near as good as the first season. So if you just watch the first season, you're fine. The, here's the problem with that show. The problem with that show is they wanted to do basically what a kind of an American Horror Story thing where uh, they were going to follow a group of characters in this universe, a different group of characters every season. And NBC was like, hey, people like Peter Petrelli and the cheerleader and all that. So you're not fucking going to do that. You're going to follow these same characters. So they had to completely change the ending of their first season. So they did, yeah. They but it's still, this. it's still really good. Okay, um, it's self-contained enough. <clears throat> so Mitch Pelegi gets away at this point, but they're like, "You're right. This has got to be the guy, right?" Yeah, because he kills the cop. He kills all the cops. Yep. Um, then I, I like the cop who's choked in like the most horrific position. And then the actor who just has to hold that position the entire time <laughs> as he's like in the background of shots and stuff. Just like, <laughs> like that sound is I'm, I was making the face and I was making the sound that I felt like should be associated with that face, but obviously he's dead, but that was the sound he was making right before he died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so Peter Berger ends up having another dream, right? He astral projects himself. <laughs> At this point, he does. He does. Basically. Yes. Um, and it, it, like, I, this was and the Rhino exact moment. Him. Do you remember in one of the 12 films inside of Dungeon Master, the Psycho Slasher one, where, uh-huh. it, where it ends with the Dungeon Master zipping away from the slasher that's just slashing at the air as he disappears? Mm-hmm. That's exactly the way this scene ends. Yeah. 
It's exactly the same thing. You get the slasher swiping away at Peter Berg because he watched it happen. Like the, you... the first one ends with him jumping into Mitch Pelegi. Yep. Like, like they jump into the TV later. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> spoilers for Shocker. I, I so want to see the person that hasn't seen Shocker, and you just are like, oh yeah, they jump into the TV later. <laughs> So, like, he jumps through him like that, but this is, he just disappears and Mitch Pelagi stabs at air. Uh, yeah. Rhino is the key to all of this. Rhino and no one else in this movie makes, uh, is, is key at all, except the news reporter and Rhino. Um, whether it's here or not, we see uh, a composite sketch of Horace, Horace Pinker. And this was an awesome composite sketch yeah. because somebody got a real good look at him and was good at describing. But no, 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 no. See, I think you're taking this. You're taking this. This is genuine, genuine. Like to the movie, this is a good sketch because you can tell it's Mitch Pelegi, but it's sort of fucked up at the right. same time. Like it looks like a police sketch. Like exactly. It, I was pretty happy with it. Like it's a couple steps above the leprechaun, uh, <laughs> the leprechaun <laughs> sketch from Cleveland. Um. But it's bad, but you can still tell, like, that's that's really what I feel like somebody would describe Mitch Pelegi as being. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that was legitimately a good a good sketch to put in the movie. Because, like, yeah. his eyebrows and his eyes were kind of, like, It off. looks fucked up, but it's definitely recognizable. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. Which is usually what composite sketches kind of turned up to be. It's like, uh, have you ever seen the, the uh, newscast? The, the black reporter yeah. says like rapist and yeah. it just he's like exactly he's the thing of the rapist is exactly his face yeah <laughs> like his face his hair everything it's one of my favorite videos on the internet uh have you seen the one where the uh the african-american reporter uh is like super professional and a quote-unquote like white voice and he's like uh yes so there's blah 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 and then all of a sudden a fly flies into his mouth and he's just like what the fuck motherfuckers around here get the fuck out of this fucking country bullshit ah, i hate the country it's fucking the worst terrible ah. uh okay so so now this is so this is movie number one okay remember four movies okay this is movie number one that we've been watching so far which is a horrible attempt to recreate freddy krueger ishness with dreams and interacting with the real world Mm -hmm. to where our hero can see murders happening by the murderer but can't interact with him as they're happening. Right. Terrible. Yeah. This whole thing, this movie number one, awful. Except for the coach scene. Coach Dylan backstory at him. And I'll give it the composite sketch. Yeah. Okay. So those are the two highlights of, of movie number one. Yeah. Uh, movie number one ends with them uh, uh, finally being able to arrest Horace Pinker. Right. So they go, they go, uh, he, he, was hatching a plot with Rhino, like, hey, I need to do this. You wake me up when I yell your name. And so Rhino saves the day, and then they go off to stop the the murder from happening. And his dad and a bunch of police cars follow them. Which at first, when I watched this scene, I got really mad because I did. I, I gave you the old DVD, and I kept the quality Scream Factory Blu-ray, so I don't know what your version looked like. But when this started, I was like, this is the most obvious 
day for night scene ever like the fucking car doesn't even have its lights on right now and it's just obviously just everything is tinted blue Hmm. and i was so pissed off and then i real i remembered no this is him in his dream going to find it and then when they went in real life it was night for night Hmm. and i was like you got me Wes craven good job nice um yeah so they hatched the scheme i wasn't paying that close of attention yeah it was it pissed me (laughs) off so bad um yeah and they get horace pinker and who okay so i give the fight choreography everything in cell block 99 uh this one was this i think the fight choreographer was rowdy rowdy piper because it's just (laughs) bad wrestling moves between uh jordan was that his name i don't fucking know i don't remember the the main kid and horace pinker peterberg um here's the thing that i don't understand so this movie ends up climaxing in that they run to the roof of the building. Horace Pinker runs across a ladder that he has put to create a bridge between the two buildings. Which, what do we know about Horace Pinker? Uh, he has a limp. He drags his left foot. Yes. Uh, and But he manages to run across that fucking ladder. Parkours like the fuck out of that ladder. <laughs> Ends up on the other side of, uh, on another building, throws down the ladder so they can't get across. Okay? Peter Berg ends up jumping the 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 trench which he over jumps by like five feet <laughs> there was never a chance he was not gonna make it but he had to run all that way um which i simultaneously was like that was really dramatic and i'd buy that because a kid like wouldn't know exactly how far he could jump no i would, and would jump as far as he fucking could yes. so he didn't die yeah absolutely yeah um Okay, but here's the thing that confuses me. Horace Pinker then can't get down into the other building, which conceivably... The door what, was locked. The door was locked. But wouldn't he have had to have come up that building and then put the ladder there to get around? Because the ladder was already there. No, I think the ladder was just there. like The ladder was just incidentally there straddling the two buildings? Yeah. No fucking way. I, I mean, I would buy that because people go... Cr- Weird city people hang out on rooftops. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing they do. And I would buy that somebody would make a dumb bridge to go between two rooftops. Okay. I guess that you. It's not the biggest leap that I'll make in this movie. No. Okay. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll have to. Later give that they to jump you. into television. I guess I'll I don't ha- know if you remember that part. <laughs> I guess I'll have to give that to you. But that, to me, I felt like that was. I guess that's possible. But, okay. All right, I'll give that to you, I suppose. But I was I'm, like, I, yeah. If you if you want to have issue with that, I'm totally okay with it. But it did. I did. All right, so let's Not continue with it. Big enough for I don't, you to have an issue. But with. even then, all right. Let's say it was Horace Pinker. How could you put that ladder over there by yourself? You couldn't hold it up and drop it down. Yeah, that's why I don't. He didn't put it there. <sighs> he so why was he going to the roof? What was he going to do once he got up there? He was running from the police up he down was blocked okay <laughs> i'll concede this makes this movie makes total sense you're yeah, right see? and then they jump into the television <laughs> okay so horace pinker's arrested and then you know how the justice system in the united states works presumably the next day at the very least within a week you get sentenced to death and get 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 executed right sure i don't they don't give he, you a time like, frame he is immediately like, hey, I want to be there when he's executed. And then they cut to his execution. <laughs> yeah. So they don't give you a time frame, 
but it seems very quick. Like they don't even give you the benefit of like a different hairstyle or something or like, <laughs> man, it was sure crazy graduating or, or anything, you know, yeah. it's just literally the next scene is his, his execution. I had to come back from college for this, but it was worth it. Yes. Give me that one line and I would see time has passed. Yeah. Um, and then this is the this is the best performance in the movie is Mitch Pelegi's like uh, well I guess we're not to his final death scene yet no nope. so they say his his last request which are last requests a thing last meals are a thing yeah are last requests a thing maybe I don't know so his last request was to have a TV mm-hmm. so he gets a TV and, and jumper, jumper cables. cables? <laughs> and so. <laughs> Where did these jumper cables come from? I don't know. <laughs> but you don't know how a microphone works because you were just like five feet away from uh, it. So, <laughs> so he has himself, they go to get him because nobody is supervising the person that's getting ready to die. And he's praying to the god of television. <laughs> who's a better god than most gods because he's like, yo, what's up? <laughs> yeah, he just answers immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he has himself connected to the TV via jumper cables Mm -hmm. and is getting electrocuted in a bonery way (laughs) like he's not doesn't seem particularly painful like he's kind of good with it he i because it's it's god it's it's the electricity of the god of television Mm -hmm. which is good for him but when he shocks the guards it's bad (laughs) for them so he ends up getting beaten up they give him mouth to mouth and they're like oh thank god he's alive let's go kill him yeah uh and well, this they literally say like if we f- if he finds out if he finds out that he died here the warden's gonna be pissed you're right no no no. i'm not second guessing the fact that they would want to revive him the part that i'm second guessing is whether they would continue with the execution because you oh, yeah, hear definitely. those stories about people like they're too sick to be executed like they're ill or whatever hmm. um i've never heard those stories uh, unver- I mean, it might be nothing, but uh, yeah, there's definitely been stories of people that are ill, so they stay, stay the, execution. the execution because they're currently have the flu or whatever. Um, what if they die of the flu? Um, like seven people have died of the flu in just in Indiana alone so far. It's God's year. mercy. Um, so then, out of television. <laughs> I don't know. So. This is this is definitely the best part of Mitch Pelegi's performance throughout this movie is like his speech at the end and he's just hamming it up and I think he does a lot of good in this movie Mitch Pelegi does and at points he it's bad and I think it's what he's being fed by Wes Craven like he bit part of the of a guard's finger off earlier and said finger looking good and I'm like that was fucking terrible but then he gives this big speech while he's being executed, and I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And this is where he tells Peter Berg, I'm your fucking dad. You're my bastard child. You are the one that shot me in the leg. That's why I have this limp. I thought the lieutenant shot him in the leg. No. Because he said you shot your daddy in the leg or something along those lines. Okay. Yep. So Peter Berg's the one that shot him. That's why he has that limp. Uh, And he... Tells Again, him, not paying 100 percent tells him let's go we're gonna get electrocuted and he sort of gets electrocuted but shuts down the power to the prison and is god of television and is and is very much alive 
but yet they still tell the doctor to go check on him. Right. And she gets electrocuted. Even though his hat is off. So you know the electricity came from him. Yeah, the electricity comes from him. And this is movie number two that is awesome. If you would just stick with the concept that, like, dude is electricity now, Mm -hmm. I would be fine with that. That's movie number two. It's a a movie of about four minutes. (laughs) And I'm good with that. It's more like the concept here, Mm -hmm. okay, is what... what, and, I, and I'm good with that. Like, I feel like that's the movie that I always feel like it is. And that is the tiniest part of this movie is this dude control electricity. Like, if he was just walking around being Storm, throwing lightning bolts at people, yeah. I would be way happier Definitely. with this movie. When uh, he electrocutes the doctor, I wrote, shocking. Nice. Because I'm a, I'm a good person. Nice. Um what else am I missing here from this scene when he starts to be electrocutioner guy? Uh, every, like the lights go out and everybody thinks he's missing, but it turns out he was in the corner. Yeah, he just hid. He just hid in the corner. Yeah, somehow, somehow, like a kid is led into the the execution room <laughs> and finds him in the corner, touches him, and he like catches on fire and disintegrates. And this is where movie number three starts which is him becoming a body jumping demon possession guy. Mm-hmm. And this is the second movie that I don't like in this. So, so far you've had dream. So let's get this straight. You don't like nightmare on Elm street and you don't like fallen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Apparently that's what I'm saying, <laughs> but I like the mini idea of shocker apparently. So yes, he turns into the fallen demon. Uh, and he starts off in a little girl's body here, right? Yeah. Or he ends up in a little girl's body. Um, what do you think about, throughout this film, Horace Pinker's limp? Do you think it's believable? Do you think it's... What do you, what do you think about Horace Pinker's limp throughout this movie? Uh, it's very Igor. Okay, yeah. Good. Igor, get over here. It's a little over the top, right? Like he's mm-hmm. literally just dragging it. Fun story about that limp. Mitch Pileggi shows up for his day one of shooting. He's like, all right, Wes Craven, man that created Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, Nightmare on Elm Street, connoisseur of of horror film. I have figured out this limp. I've been working on it for a while. I think it's really good. Let me show you what I've got. And Wes Craven's like, ooh, here's the deal, Mitch Pileggi. The limp's already been established. What are you talking about? This is my first day here. Well, see, we already filmed scenes with this little girl. And she was the first one that did the limp. So you need to mimic her limp. <laughs> so this little girl, who do, who is a little girl, and she did fine. She did a wonderful job. Sure. But I doubt she has the subtlety of, of a real actor like Mitch Pileggi. So Mitch Pileggi's limp and everyone else who plays Horace Pinker when he's possessed was thrown out and they all had to mimic the one that they did with this little girl who couldn't do a limp so they had to put rocks in her shoes <laughs> they put rocks in her shoes that's why she drags her leg like that and the rest of the everybody had to recreate it because she's the first Horace Pinker that they filmed that's fantastic <laughs> it's so stupid that's great it's so stupid <laughs> That's my favorite story. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. I feel like I think it's I think he thinks it's funny now, but I guarantee you at the time Mitch Pelegi was like, What the fuck? 
I'm, what have I signed up for? Like, he thought he was going to be Freddy Krueger, uh-huh. right? Like, I guarantee you, he was practicing that limp. He's trying to refine these Horace Pinker traits so he can be Freddy Krueger. Because mm-hmm. they're like four or five movies in to, to this point when, when they're coming out with Shocker. Uh, I feel for that guy, dude. <laughs> that sucks so bad. <laughs> Has he done anything really since X-Files? I mean... Um, and, well, he was in, he's in Supernatural. He's getting Supernatural. He was in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was awesome in Sons of Anarchy. I stopped watching after like the third season, but I watched when he was there. Yeah. Um, he's a good actor. I really like him. I liked him in Supernatural. I uh, obviously liked him in X-Files. Yeah. Not in Sons of Anarchy? I'm, I, I'm trying to remember. He was like the he... main Nazi guy. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, yeah. he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this was great casting, for, but the parts that I hate are thinker Wes Craven, like making him saying finger looking good. Um, so, so now he starts bouncing back and forth between bodies and this is just awful for me. Like he, he, he's going into cops bodies and they're trying to track him down and things. We never mentioned that he, we mentioned that he mentioned that the girlfriend's ethereal. He kills the girlfriend. Yeah, he kills also, the girlfriend, and then right this is her. when I get really confused. I don't understand really why the girlfriend is there, and she has a magic necklace, which Horace Pinker doesn't like. This is so complicated for being but so the, dumb. But the necklace was given to the character in a dream, so it's a dream necklace. So it's like her love for him or something. I don't know. This It, it wasn't real, but it's made manifest. There are four movies here. <laughs> we haven't got to movie four. So far, we have... Rip off of Nightmare on Elm Street, rip off of Fallen, and Electric, Electrical Guy. Shocker Two, Electric Boogaloo. Um. So he does the, which is what Shocker Two should be called if it exists. <laughs> if it does not exist, people out there who want to Shocker get the Two doesn't exist because this didn't turn out to be the. We live in a world with five Silent Night Deadly Nights, but one Shocker, and one My Bloody Valentine. It's two My Bloody Valentines. I'm sorry. No sequels, but yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, like the girlfriend does like this Donnie Darko chest teleport, or not teleportation, but like chest tunnel thing. Yeah, the, the first time, you're talking about the first one she like fights evil TV? Yeah, we neglected Horace. to mention that that little girl drives a bulldozer, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> Just seeing... It looks like the little girl from Poltergeist just fucking driving a bulldozer. Yeah, and uh, main characters like nothing's going on, nothing's going on. Roll out of the way of the bulldozer. <laughs> Instant reaction. Time. It was it was like uh, like the Austin Powers thing where uh, where he's like sees the the uh, steamroller coming mm-hmm. ten miles away and screams. Yeah. Um. So I, at this point is when I wrote my note. I don't know the rules of this movie. <laughs> it doesn't establish any. It doesn't establish any. Horace Pinker doesn't feel like he knows what he can do throughout the entire movie. We haven't even gotten to movie number four in this movie. Sometimes he's this weird, uh, bad special effect him, and sometimes he's real him. And, and yeah, so he like can leave at his free will, but sometimes is forced out of bodies. Yeah. There's no rules established, and it's incredibly confusing. Whatever's convenient. Exactly. 
Um, and then we start getting into movie number four. And this is my favorite of the four movies that are in Shocker. And basically, he becomes electricity and lives in electricity and TV. Yeah. And it starts off with, we established earlier in the movie where Peter Berg sits in a massaging chair. Mm-hmm. And so he gets back and sits in this massaging chair, and then it becomes Cherry from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes, <laughs> so the eyes just come out. It's it literally, great. it's like exactly the Cherry from Pee Wee's Playhouse, where the hands wrap around and bear hug Peter Berg, then eyes pop out, and then he ends up standing, and then it turns into Horace Pinker, and then he has like the little control that he rips off of his hip. Yeah, and then he's physically there. And then he makes he makes a Volkswagen joke. He makes a Volkswagen's joke, yes. Which again, that is Wes Craven's fault. <laughs> that is not Mitch Pelegi's fault. Like the performance is whatever you can do because he's electricity. Yes, Volkswagen. So uh, Volkswagen. It's so bad. Um, and th- this is another moment where where Mitch Pelegi feels like he's trying to figure out what's going on. Because he he like holds up his fingers like almost in the, like the sexual shocker thing, the, the and he's looking at an outlet and he says something like I guess let's try this or let's go for a ride, and his fingers et and go into the outlet and he gets sucked well, he into gets, the electricity. The, his fingers become the prongs. Oh yeah, but they like in an et like elongated right. way because uh, the girlfriend beat him up, and he's like he needs power. Uh, which we know, we understand that if he's not re-energized every yeah. on a continuous basis, that, exactly. that he can't. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. established that. Yeah, uh, in zero zero way. I rolled my eyes, but I don't feel like I need to say that I rolled my eyes <laughs> because you could hear in my voice that I rolled my eyes. Um, so he ends up inside of electricity, and then Peter Berg. Ends up inside the TV with Horace Pinker running through the channels, but interacting with what he, they're watching. Yeah. So he jump. They jump. They fight in and out of TV, and they wind up in that cat lady's cat family's wait place. We can't go in and out of TV without describing this in more detail. We got to talk about TV, then we'll go cat lady. Okay. Okay. So they are running through an atom bomb explosion an atomic bomb explosion and yeah and get blown away there there's like a dead soldier laying on the ground that horace pinker steals his knife all this all the the local channel because they're running through the local channels supposedly how are they, they just running? play old news footage and stock footage yes that's Which, all they play yes there's no there's nothing that is owned by any anyone there's no they're just running through history's yes images this is 1989 so there is no uh episodes of Mary with children or hogan's heroes happening that they happen to run through it is only things which are in the public domain yeah but how are they okay so they're running through these old footage and interacting with people did i dream this or did they wind up in an episode of leave it to beaver uh I think they're in the background of something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're like in the background of like a boxing mm-hmm. fight and things. Uh, but but how how in the rules of this are they going from place to place? Because for them, they're interacting 
in that arena where that boxing match is happening. Right. Or they are where this atomic bomb is exploding and getting blown away. Mm -hmm. How are they moving to the next physical place in which they inhabit that this new thing is happening? Does he have the remote yet or not? He doesn't have the remote. I don't know then. So I don't understand that because then he ends up jumping out of the TV somehow. Right. Then we get the fourth wall lady. And the fourth wall lady. So this house is like you've heard like the bonbon jokes about like the woman with the hair rollers and eating bonbons. It is is Peggy. Uh, It's Peg Bundy. And they've got like this giant portrait of a cat. And and this family watches this two men fly out of the TV and start fighting in their house. Without actually trying to do damage to one another, there's a lot of like shoving and pushing, yeah, and like throwing very light Again, things at one another. Choreography. Yes, and they just seem amused by it, as opposed to they all kind of get out of the way, but none of them make an effort to leave. As a non-religious person, the moment that that happens, I am like praying and I am making peace with any and every god because i know that i am wrong about so many things because i have assumed the televisions worked way different than they do (laughs) and everything that i know the laws of man and nature (laughs) and physics has just been not only put into question but just abolished obliterated so there is there's everything that i know is wrong and i have immediately just atoning for everything because i'm wrong and they just seem slightly slightly uh uh put out a little perturbed by the situation yeah but but a little, a little amused too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um peterberg then they jump back through the tv peterberg grabs the remote before he jumps in and they end up back in his house yeah we should mention that he set up a, a the the reporter to film to just leave the camera running in this empty room, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Which, the reporter was like, "Sure, that's a thing I'll do." Well, it makes sense because they've like given all these clues to like, of course, logically, if you're thinking ahead, that's what would work. Yeah, is you record. Horace Pinker and then destroy the camera. So he's stuck. We know that. Obviously, that's the thing that would work. But we, as the audience, know that what he really needs to do is hang the necklace on the camera. Well, they've established that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're you're paying attention. He hasn't hasn't figured that out yet. If you're paying attention, you you caught that. But but otherwise, they'll... It makes sense when you rewatch it a second time that they've laid the groundwork for all these rules. You can see the the subtleties in... uh, Peter Berg and Mitch Plague's performance that mm-hmm. you know exactly where this is going. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, you know, Jordan Peele has given credit to Wes Craven shocker as like kind of laying out uh, the framework for how to build a world in which uh, everything's right in front of you, but it means something else once you understand the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind uh, of how it's, it's really a, it's a masterclass in telling your audience exactly what's coming next and also surprising them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or none of those things nope. because it doesn't it's a make shit movie. It doesn't make Don't any sense. It. it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, <laughs> now they're in the room with the camera and Peter Berg has the remote. Is this the real world now? Is this actually the, the Peter Berg's room in real life? Yes. They've okay, come so out of the TV. Okay. But. So this is the Freddy Krueger moment where now he's in real life, right? 
Yes. But Horace Pinker still has to abide by the rules of television. Because he is television. Which right? means that... Because he's always got scan lines on him. Which, except when he doesn't. Which means Peter Berg can point the remote and hit pause at Mitch Pelegi, which translates to Mitch Pelegi physically just standing still. But, but he can still, still move his eyes. Slightly and... move and talk yeah. and move his eyes around and just slightly move because it's physically really hard for somebody to just actually not move. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Berg can control him with the remote as if the remote is a laser pointer in which everywhere that Peter Berg physically points the remote, Mitch Pelegi gets thrown around. And also controls his actions. Like he says, and you have to jump on the bed, and he moves over to the bed and makes him jump up and down. Well, he was pushing the jump up and down button on the Mm -hmm. remote, just like the freeze button. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. It's not even like this is like bad. This is your climax. Yeah. This is, <laughs> is how it, you beat up the bad guy. Is Horace Pinker, your next horror icon, jumping up and down on a fucking bed? <laughs> <laughs> Justin just threw his arms up in defeat. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. Like, how did they ever think that... Uh, <clears throat> dude, what the fuck was Wes Graven up to? Like, what... <laughs> Like, you know how... How did he become a horror icon in this movie? You know how Stephen King has said, like, I don't remember writing Cujo. I was drunk. the Like, that was my drinking phase. Or, like, yeah, I... Have you seen Maximum Overdrive? I was on so much drugs during... (laughs) Like, that's what Stephen King is saying now, right? Yeah. Which is exactly what you... Like, he's being honest, and he sees it through the same lens we do, right? I don't think Wes Craven was the drug guy. Wes Craven was an English teacher, right? Wes Craven was legitimately an English teacher that started doing this. This was just a terrible idea. Like, I feel like... (laughs) From start to finish, psychic link inside the TV, (laughs) dead girlfriend, necklace, ethereal (laughs) bullshit. I don't fucking know. (laughs) So, so Peter Berg... It's up jumping through the camera, which he's hung the necklace, and thus Horace Pinker can't jump through it as well. And he's trapped inside there. Something, yeah. The TV explodes. Wait, that but that's the real world that he jumps into. So they weren't in the real world in sure. his I room. I don't fucking know. So the TV has exploded as on fire, and you can hear Horace Pinker like, I'm going to get you. Yeah. And then, and then he, he turns, turns off the fire with the remote. <laughs> <laughs> he literally, the inside of the TV is on fire, and he hits like. It's just circuit boards and tubes that are on fire. <laughs> and he hits like the power button, and it goes like, boo, and the flame dissipates. And Horace shows, shuts up. <laughs> what the fuck is this movie? Oh, I don't understand this movie in the slightest. It doesn't follow any rules. It has no ability to discern what or why or why why anything happens. All the effects are bad. Um, Like, Like, I watch Nightmare on Elm Street and those still look from okay to good. For the most part, this all looked terrible, one hundred percent. 
Um, that CGI water or like green screen water, composite water. Yeah. So awful looking. Um, all that being said, Shocker, I kind of love because it doesn't make it like I'm like, this is like. What a can you grab onto on this to love? The, the, there's nothing here that it, 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 that makes any sense in any way. But I feel like every time I watch it, I feel like I've been I'm not remembering something and it goes to the awesome places that I feel like it could. Like, I feel like I watch it and I'm gonna be like, oh, this is the scene where we get where Horace Pinker runs through and shoots electricity at all the guards and kills all of them. But that never fucking happens. And I feel like like I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the movie where. Horace Pinker is able to kill people by jumping through their TVs and ending up in their living room, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. I feel like you ever have a, a food or a beverage that you like get tricked into trying. Like, I didn't really like this, but I'm I I think I'm gonna give it another shot. I think I might like it. Like over and over again. I mean, on on at least a handful of occasions. Probably. That's shocker to me. Like you have Alzheimer's and you forget. I have, I think I've said this before. Like I definitely have this thing where I remember the best parts of every movie and that's what I end up leaving with it. And I have like these fond memories of it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. So, so I do that with shocker and then I watch it and I'm like, that's really not good <laughs> at all. But two years from now. But two years from now, I'm going to be so We're going to be on episode like. 150. Yeah, and maybe like. And it's going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 and The Shocker, and you're going to be like, I love both of these movies. Yes. And I'll be like, dude, we've watched these. They're garbage. Be like, no, you don't understand. Remember when he's throwing electricity and then he's on Hogan's Heroes and he's killing people? He kills Andy Kaufman on the set of Taxi. Like, that could have been great, right? Like, you got Tony Clifton. Yeah, that that could have been great, right? Like yeah. you you are in television, you're messing with people. Even if you worked it out with one studio, like you go into bed with Fox, NBC, anything, right? Yeah. And he could jump and and do murder. She wrote and then fucking strangle Barbara Walters. There's like, a, wouldn't that be fucking awesome if he strangles Barbara Walters? There's a movie that does this. It stars John Ritter. It's called Remote Control, I believe. Yeah. It's not a great movie, but as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. Um, and it does that, but it's like they go into like Satan. They go into hell TV or something. I don't remember exactly what, but then eventually they wind up on like this hell game show. It's it's fun. This movie feels like Wes Craven was like, got a phone call. He's like, hey, remember, we're supposed to start filming that movie tomorrow. Um, we need to know what we're doing. And he was like, oh, shit. And he was like grabbing notes and like half started scripts that he had around the house. And then he like assembled them together and showed up and we're like, this, this is our movie. It's like, uh, I remember doing. when Family Guy was good. There's this bit uh, <coughs> with Stephen King is pitching his next novel. And he's like, well, all right, what do you got for us? And he's like, uh, um, there's a lamp, lamp monster. He's ah. <laughs> like, oh, you've really given up, haven't you? All right, when can you have it by? <laughs> the other, another Stephen King joke that I saw, it was, I didn't, I don't remember exactly how they did it, but right now saying it, it feels like it was in poor taste. 
but he was like walking on the road and he got hit by a van mm-hmm. in in Family Guy. Oh yeah, he gets hit by a van and then he's like flying up through the air and he's like, wait a minute, this gives me an idea for a book. And then is on the way down, he's like, and then he ends up by the time he lands, he has like this thousand page book. Nice. But the joke isn't Tim getting hit by the car. The joke is the fact that he yeah. is uh, pretty prolific. Yeah. Which jokes on him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he writes six thousand words a day. Because a lot of authors try for 2,000 a day. I think he does 6,000. I could be wrong. I, it's been a while since I've read On Writing. On Writing, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. Like, I don't really have anything against him, I don't, but I don't. I haven't read a lot of his books, and I don't think he's like this awesome guy. But On Writing is one of my favorite books about writing. Um, there was an episode a while ago where I think I remember you saying like it sounded like we were shitting on Stephen King, uh, and I think it was mostly me blowing Clive Barker is what it was um which is like way more of a possibility than than me sleeping with any woman um is is uh like i've read a lot of stephen king since then and i very very much hold him in high regards and like i i is there somebody more prolific than him uh i'm sure there is definitely maybe not in horror no 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 not in horror but he's got to be up there for sure right yeah i mean like like John Patterson, you see him all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, Clive Cussler, probably. Is it James Patterson? What Maybe I say? It is. You said John. No, I think it's James. You're right. Yeah. Um, and Clive I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of romance novelists. But I don't think the, those are. I'm not so sure that those are. I'm sure some of them are, and I don't know the romance novel thing at all. But uh, a lot of them also like. Have you ever heard of V.C. Andrews? Mm-hmm. Uh, she died li- literally like 60 years ago <laughs> and it's ghostwriters that just keep putting it under her, her name. Um, so you have to question whether that counts yeah. or not. Um, but Stephen King is really all Stephen King. And I don't know how we started talking about this. This is weird. <laughs> um, I did. I remember I watched the commentary or heard an interview from a, a director that directed a, St- uh, uh, Stephen King movie called Sleepwalkers mm-hmm. uh, and he the director said that he uh, <clears throat> uh, Stephen King came on set to do his cameo like he usually does and he was just so frantic like he's like I gotta get back to writing I, I gotta I can't wait I can't wait I can't wait around I gotta I gotta get back to writing just <laughs> um, which I feel I don't do impressions and I wasn't really trying to do one right there but I felt like that might have been a pretty good Stephen King impression honestly through this, don't nobody try to, ever knows who don't want to speak. True my to my own horn there. Uh, anything else to add about Shocker? Don't watch Shocker. D- don't listen to Justin. You need to watch Shocker. <laughs> no, it's so much fun. No, it's not. Yes, it is. This movie is bonkers and bad, and not and neither in a good way. Don't listen to him. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> You're telling me if you watch this as a group, you wouldn't be like, why are they doing that? Why is he hanging the the necklace from the camera? No. Brawl or shocker? Brawl. Brawl's uh, definitely, definitely the better movie. Uh, and uh, shocker is fun. But if, that's all I got for it. If shocker were a better bad movie, I definitely would have picked would have taken shocker. Uh, but it's not, so I didn't. Okay. I feel like that was a dumb argument, but I, I was I trying to say saying. more about. It's not Jack Frost. You yeah. want it to be your zero. Brawl versus Jack Frost. I would take Jack Frost. <laughs> 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 
I love that idea that like I want to see uh, uh, who's the guy that that there, there's no Siskel and Ebert anymore, but I still feel like it's Siskel and Ebert because it's Roper. Like, but I still associate him with Siskel and Ebert because yeah, it was Ebert and Roper, and now I don't know who yeah, was with so, Roper. So Roper and the other guy, like I want to see them. Like, hmm, let's talk about the merits of Jack Frost versus, <laughs> versus Bone Tomahawk or Brawlins. Um Brawl okay. versus Jack Frost. Which would you take? Um, I mean, obviously, Brawl is a better movie, but I would go with Jack Frost. All right, like, good. <laughs> But to be fair, I might do the same thing if it was Brawl versus Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, I would take Bone Tomahawk over Jack Frost. Yeah, it's close. Like, they for what they are, they are, like, at equal <laughs> like levels. Like, yeah. I would say both of those movies are pretty near perfection. <laughs> but you can't make... Like, like Michael Cooley would be sitting here, like, I want to see a roundtable discussion with uh, Craig uh, Zahner and and michael cooley discussing their techniques between jack frost and bone tomahawk <laughs> like like it inside the actor studios like is there a director on director series that would be a cool like little wasn't, wasn't there uh john favreau like where you hate like, yeah dinner, dinner for, for five? five that was the coolest show yeah i want to see that with like michael cooley lloyd kaufman from trauma craig zoner uh what's craven <laughs> he's died Oh, all these people have to be living for your imaginary thing? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to pitch it here. Okay. So who's your last guy then? Stephen King? John Favreau. Well, John Favreau's part of the five already. Oh, okay. Well, every episode's different, so I mean, we can... Yeah. Oh, so... Okay. That's, how, that's what Dinner for Five was. Right, but you only named three of the four other guests. Um, Zoner, Cooley, uh, Trauma Guy. Mm-hmm. And Warwick Davis. Okay. <laughs> just so that, like, if there's any low points, Warwick Davis will just start. Oh, is that a short joke? Just start. No. <laughs> I'll just start one line. If there are any low points, he's closest to the ground to pick them up. <laughs> no. Um, next week? <laughs> next week. Um, so this is one, whether you whether you realize it or not. Uh, this is me accommodating a request from you. Okay. So. This first movie or both together? Um, I mean, you'll see. It'll go together. Okay. All right. Ready? Movie number one. Movie number one. This is the back. Number and one. Movie number one. All right. Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. All right. I get to see how it all started. Her luck just ran out. Uh, when, what do you know about Leprechaun, Justin? Uh, I know that I may or may not see Jennifer Aniston's tits based on when this DVD was released. I'm going to say probably not. I doubt it. That's they're probably only like VHSs of that. I would assume so. Yeah. Cause she got rich and famous like well before, not well before, but right at the cusp of the DVD era. I w- yeah. I would assume you're not getting that in there. So what are you expecting from Leprechaun? You, you obviously you kind of know what you're expecting, but give me the story, I guess. Then I assume it's probably just like a typical horror movie, uh, group of friends, and she's the last girl standing. Uh, but you get Leprechaun, which is Warwick Davis chewing scenery, which is great. I really, really have to piss. I'm so I'm just swiveling, swiveling the chair back and <laughs> forth. Um, 
I didn't clean the bathroom. Jen asked me, and I told her yes. Good job. So there's going to be stuff on the I floor wasn't the asked sink. to take out the trash, but uh, last time I was asked to take out the trash, I took out the trash, so I'm excited about that. Um, second movie. Uh, last one we did was Old Boy. This is Remake Me. We do remakes and reboots. New Man. Uh, we, oh my god, Hornswoggle is in this. <laughs> this is Dylan the, Postal. Dude, this is the reboot. Oh, Leprechaun Origins. The fear starts here. Oh my god, Hornswoggle is Leprechaun. I am excited. So who do you think is the better Leprechaun actor? It is 100% Warwick, going to be Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis or Hornswoggle. Is 100% going to be Warwick Davis. But uh, yeah, Hornswoggle was... <laughs> was shit on by WWE. Like, uh, there was this whole big storyline uh, for months and months. So Vince McMahon, the owner of the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, he had a, the rumor started that he had an illegitimate son and that, one, that his illegitimate son was a wrestler. And it, it was going to be a wrestler named Ken Kennedy. And so they kept building this up. They're going to do the reveal. And right before, like a couple weeks before they do, Ken Kennedy gets injured. And he's going to be out for a couple months. So then they just bomb and make it hornswoggle and turn it into a joke. And he's all upset that his son is like the midget wrestler. So he's upset because he has a freak for a son? Yeah. It was stupid. I really have to pee. Can we end this now? What do you think you're going to see in Leprechaun Origins? There's a graveyard in the background, in the on the back of the DVD. So, Leprechaun in a graveyard. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, I broke this thing. Did you really? I think I might have, yeah. That sucks. Uh, which movie are you going to like better? Leprechaun Origins or... So, the remake or the original? I usually go with the original. I'm going to stick to that. That's what I'm probably going to like. Other than having to pee, what else you got for us? I really have to pee. 